Thank you for listening to Namat's Movie Reviews Podcast, available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Stitcher. Also, please follow Matt's Movie Reviews on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, Reddit, Instagram, and MeWe. And of course, be sure to visit mattsmoviereviews.net for the latest reviews, top 10 lists, and more. Now, on to the show. Albert was uh, either thrown out of a car or hit by a car. He was found on the side of the road down in Cabot, Arkansas. Some really, really wonderful people thought that you know, he was worth taking a shot at. And we brought him up on one of those uh, pet carriers that come up with tons of animals from the south. 51 dogs, welcome to Rochester. They were brought here by the dog rescue organization, Freedom Ride Incorporated. This is a, an ongoing problem. I want y'all to understand the scope of it. The population here is... is... 10 times the amount of animals elsewhere. Come here, whoa, 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 whoa. Come here, come here, buddy. My name is Monda Wooten. I'm from Trenton, Georgia. Here in the South, um, it's really sad. People drop dogs off here all the time. We just I, made a mistake. I mean, right, and, and we know that you love the animals. It's not about that. Myself, I, I can't tell the difference in abuse and neglect. We have people here working really hard to change that landscape, and I know we've made progress. And I and I hope and I and I pray that that I'm I'm doing the most that I can and being the most effective that I can be in my community to make the biggest difference that that I can make. Hello and welcome to the Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast. I am your host, Matthew Pekovich, and this is episode number 453. Out now in select theatres across the US is Free Puppies, a documentary that follows a collective of women volunteers as they try to contain the rescue dog crisis in America's South in which thousands of misplaced dogs are located and transported to the northern states where eager families are willing to adopt. An illuminating and moving exploration into a pressing issue Free Puppies also marks the feature film debuts of directors Christina Thomas and Samantha Wishman, who I'm glad to say join me now on the podcast. Christina and Samantha, thank you so very much for joining me. Thank you for having thank us. Thank you for having us. So, Samantha, I want to start with you because it's your ex- own experience with adopting a rescue dog, which I believe was for your mum, uh, which kind of like started this whole process. What was it about that kind of experience that kind of like Complaints in your mind as a filmmaker, as a storyteller, that, that wanted to really kind of usher you down this kind of road of uh, dog adoption, especially in regards to um, this kind of crisis that's happening down in the, in the southern states of the U.S.? Yeah, it was uh, the initial contact of seeing the, the transport come up was um, immediately felt significant in just the scale and understanding that Stuart came off of a truck. Um, he's the dog that my, my mom adopted um, mm. with 80 other dogs. That woman driving it came every week. She said there were more of her. Um, I started to do research and saw that there are estimates that millions of dogs had made that journey. And I started asking around, you know, going around uh, with this dog now from Mississippi up in New York and Connecticut talking to other people who had also adopted dogs from the South and realizing that they had very little understanding of why their dog ended up 
um, in their home and what, where they were coming from. And there was definitely curiosity, but also a really big knowledge gap. And I felt like it would be something that people were interested in and something that would be important. And I also started to talk to Stuart's rescuer from Mississippi um, and, you know, saw on Facebook, understood that really he was from a very, had very different beliefs, very different, um, you know, set of political values um, Mm. than I was accustomed to. But at the same time, we had this really lovely back and forth about this dog and felt this strong connection um, that at the time, um, and we continued to live in a polarized country, but um, at, at that at that moment, it felt like this kind of lifeline of hope between communities that were doing something right and something positive and a really great example of people working together, um, you know, on an individual basis that turned into a really large scale movement. So that was kind of what uh, I saw in the story initially. So Christina, you and Samantha actually knew each other back in the, like in the college days and you worked with each other as well in short films and such. So when she presents this idea to you in regards to, you know, this what's going on in the southern states with the whole kind of um, misplacement of dogs and the, the transportation and adoption, number one, did you know anything about this beforehand? And number two, could you also see exactly what type of story potential there is in this documentary as well? So I did not know much. Um, I always say I'm not an expert on dog rescue and we went to meet with experts and listen to their stories. Sam knew a lot more about dog transport, having gone through it and all the research that she did, but I really didn't have any idea of all of the effort that goes into transporting dogs to different areas, how often it was happening and how many dogs that are still there that needed to be transported. And so going down and meeting with Monda, um, Ruth and Anne, I started to learn a lot more. Uh, But yes, it was definitely a big learning experience for me. And I think when we went down, we did a first research trip and kind of started to learn more about the area. But our story kept changing and progressing in a certain way as we learned more and as we spoke to more people. Samantha, you know. These the states that primarily you kind of focus on are Georgia, Tennessee, I believe. I believe the other one might have been was it Alabama? Alabama. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the, the the crux of the story was in Trenton, Georgia. That's where kind of like where Monda's from and such. Um, it's a small community. When you go down there from from uh, you know uh, New York in Los Angeles, etc., um, to this kind of small town, and is there kind of like any type of reservations from people down there to kind of like open up and talk about their experiences whatsoever, not so much from the volunteers, but for example, when you go into the more rural areas um, as shown in, in the, in the documentary, is it, does it take some time to kind of like um, have people open up and be, and be open to talk about what's happening down there, especially to people um, from, they might perceive as kind of like you've been outside of their culture, especially in, in holding cameras and such, I'm sure it could have been, you know, took a little bit of time to kind of like warm up to, to those kind of relations. Yeah, and I think there was, um, you know, there was, um, it took time to establish trust, I think, in many situations. I mean, even Manda, we we um, met with, and I met her at like a restaurant uh, in a in a airport bar initially. Like we, we had spent a lot of time kind of trying to build trust in that relationship and like, you know, confirming what our vision was for the film um, to her. And I think 
having her on board initially was really the key to unlock a lot of what happened in, in Trenton. Um, she's a, it is a small town, so at 2000 people and she is a very big personality in that town. Um, so without her, I think you would have had absolutely a very different experience, but even with her, I think people were wary and, um, you know, obviously we are, I mean, we, we we're outsiders. We're telling a story of a community that, we felt the connection to because of transport. It allowed us to kind of have that, um, that kind of entryway into their lives. Um, and we wanted to gain trust that we were doing it in a way that was, um, not judgmental. We wanted to really be conduits to tell the story. Um, we, the, the brothers, I think that you were mentioning that were, um, in a more rural area outside of Chattanooga who we met, we spent hours talking to them. Um, In the film, there are three scenes, but we went back probably five or six times um, Mm. and really spent lots of time talking to them to really hear their whole stories. And um, I think over that time, I think they gained trust. And I think what you ultimately see um, probably maybe is under 10 minutes of the total running time of the film, but they're very intense scenes. And I think they were only able to, to let their guard down like that in front of us because we had um, spent so much time with them before that. Um, and, and I would also say we were a small crew, which I think made a big difference. I think both Tina and I in some ways are, um, you know, maybe not uh, as intimidating or like, I, I think we're, we're younger women. And I think uh, in some ways that's a little bit disarming to people. Mm. Um, so, and I think also having a small crew is um, very important for being kind of uh, flies on the wall. Yes. Christine, what's really interesting is that the majority of the volunteers in the film uh, are women. Is that comes down to a certain cultural issues that are happening there in, in the southern states? Or is that something that's nationwide as well in regards to kind of like um, puppy rescue? Is it the majority of volunteers are women uh, when it comes to this kind of line of work? So when we first went down, it was definitely not our focus just to find women, but that is what we found. Of course, you'll see a few men in the film who work extremely hard with the women, but more and more, we just kept meeting women rescuers. And we just had a a Q&A at one of our films in Los Angeles, and another woman in the audience brought it up that sometimes men will want to have a specific role um, and like a a paying role in that job. And you do end up finding a lot of uh, female volunteers, not to say that there aren't, aren't men volunteers, but that was just our experience. When it comes to um, Samantha dealing with kind of like the emotional impact of this, you are going into puppy farms, some places where it's just, where dogs might be waiting to be euthanized. And we're talking about like a large number of dogs as well. When you first kind of like face that, what type of emotional impact does it have on, on you um, and in yourself, Christina, as well, um, doing that? I, I know you're there as documentarians. You're there to, to be there as filmmakers and to be as um, not, not out, try to try to be as unemotional as can be, but you want to be there to make sure that you can facilitate yourself and, and grab the truth as you can. But I'd imagine that facing some of these scenarios will be incredibly difficult for you, for you, both of you. Yeah. I, I, the first time we went to a kill shelter, um, I remember leaving that night, staying up, 
actively going through, I mean, they, they'll post um, photos of dogs who are kind of don't have much of a runway, um, mm. trying to get people to make pledges and adopt and get them out of there. And um, it's heartbreaking to look at some of these posts. Um, it will just kind of like have the dog and kind of like a red urgent sign on it. And you know what that means. And went home and I started, was like frantically kind of emailing everyone. I knew all my friends, all my family at home, trying to see if anyone wanted to adopt some of these dogs. Um, obviously that's not a very effective way to, to really make a difference. Um, and I think felt very helpless, um, and overwhelmed. And I, I think trying to Monda, I remember came in that night and was like, you just, you can't. And I think the women were the, really the ones who helped us kind of, I think, take a step back and unfortunately acknowledge that, um, you have to be selective about how you use your um, bandwidth and attention and resources and to try and, um, you know, save the life of every dog you encounter is not going to be the way really to make a difference. So we tried to kind of take a step back and um, zoom out and hopefully capture the bigger picture and ways that people can be more effective in making a difference. Um, but it's heartbreaking because I'm, I'm a dog person and you know, when you do get on that kind of one-on-one, um, just looking at dog by dog, it, it's very overwhelming. The Matt's Movie Reviews podcast is brought to you by Tee Public. Tee Public is the world's largest marketplace for independent creators to sell their work on the highest quality merchandise. With over 1.2 million designs, Tee Public is sure to have something you will love. You know, Christina, it's really interesting that the documentary not only talks about the present day situation in regards to what's happening with, with these animals, but also it kind of goes into the history of doggy activism, I guess you could kind of call it that. Um, you go into like these different kind of like historical kind of landmarks of of how it's kind of like this movement kind of started. And there was this, this really kind of shocking stat. I think it's like looking at my notes here in 1973. 13.5 million dogs killed in that one year. I mean, that was just like a staggering kind of religious really statistics to kind of stand out from the page. What was it? Is anything kind of jumped out to you or surprised to you when you're looking back into the history of kind of like this kind of like activism on behalf of dogs? And, and do you think that since that time enough has been done? Do you think that more can be done? I mean, what's your kind of like your whole kind of approach to to that or kind of like a response to to the whole history of of, of activism in in that in that kind of territory in that in that uh, subject absolutely so one thing i learned as we were filming is sam's uh husband's grandfather transported a dog years ago so it's something that's been going on for so long and then when you have a situation like hurricane katrina or something where you're going to have a lot of dogs that need homes it kind of brings it to a different level and to learn about that study in the 70s with the 13.5 million animals, that's a huge number. And these women and I'll say men as well, all of these volunteers that are helping, they're doing a lot. And I think that some progress has been made, but there is so much more that we need to do. Um, it's not just about getting the dogs transported out. Spay and neuter is huge, but also focusing on what's happening in these communities and how we can help uh, either have the government enforce more laws or implement more laws. But the three women that we follow are really working as hard as they can. They 
pretty much all have full-time jobs and spend every other minute that they have on phone calls or actively going to locations to help save dogs. So you can see progress being made, but we have a far way to go. In regards to that, Samantha, it just seems to me that every time that's like Mondo or or Anne or someone also try to make kind of steps forward in there, there's there's that kind of war of bureaucracy that kind of stops them from really, really making progress. How much of the change needs to be done? Is it is it cultural? Um, is there things embedded within just these states? You know, a lot of them, you know, classify themselves as free states and 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 are not really may not be open to different types of suggestions, except in regards to Spain and Utah, because you know their property is their property, and in regards to dogs, and they don't want anyone, be a government or anyone else, to tell them what to do. Or does a lot of that have to do in regards to political pressure and, and bureaucracy pressure? Um, because it seems to me that a lot of times that whenever um, the plea is made for changes to be done, the comeback is, well, you know, we got potholes in the road and we need to fix first and there's parks and there's this and that. I mean, it does seem like that the, the dogs themselves are kind of like put in the bottom of a very long list of things that they want to approach first. So I, I'd imagine that maybe uh, in regards to getting changes, maybe some type of political activism might be something on behalf of these dogs, might be something to kind of move the, the movement forward. Yeah, um, we see, um, sorry, um, yes, I I think they are trying to go through the political route. And I would say this is something that we see not just when it comes to dogs, but um, I think we can kind of understand why people are so perhaps uh, disenchanted with the political system in the United States, particularly on, um, you know, they see it on a national level, but you see it here on a very local level as well. they spent 16 years lobbying for a county shelter, which is basically to provide just basic animal welfare in their communities for community dogs. And there's a mention in the film of the difference between like a county shelter and a private shelter where, you know, there's a big no kill movement in this country. Obviously no kill is a wonderful ideal. That being said, someone has got to take care of the animals of the community of people who are surrendering of, you know, stray animals and without that these women are really filling in the gaps they did win the vote locally number of times so the the people in the county did vote to put a shelter um up it never got funded um and yes it was just a failure of bureaucracy a failure of local government to see through what the people wanted they women the women continue though to persevere and look for outlets other than um through the government so they're working with nonprofits they're getting grants from organizations like pet smart charities um a number of the more successful shelters that we saw that were that did have community that did have um kind of public uh service agreements for example with like the city of chattanooga they were not just government funded they were have they brought in um outside partners they had supplemented their budget with um private public partnerships so i I think we see individuals working to fill in the gaps with a mixture of you know corporate grants from places like PetSmart, nonprofit um kind of uh partnerships but yeah it, it is a it's a public issue and I think there's a public responsibility and I think the part of the kind of tragedy and also hopefully, you know, hope and heroism of the women in the film is that they are dealing with, you know, really fundamental 
basic questions of how to function as as a self-run government. Um, and in many cases, it's it's quite difficult, as you can see. Yes, definitely. Um, Christina, with the film out like in New York and now in other territories as well, what type of response have you got in regards to not only the movie itself, but also the, the issue of kind of like a, um, uh, you know, rescue dogs? Um, do you find people coming out of the screenings, like, you know, just chomping at the bit to get some of these dogs at their, at their, in their homes and, and, and uh, give them some place for them where they can live and prosper? Yeah, so Sam and I have been at screenings in New York and LA, and the conversations we've had after the screenings have been incredible. We have spoken sometimes for an hour long talking about what's going on, how can we help, uh, what resources do they need, and how can we help with those resources. And I think that we've gotten a really great response from different people that have come to see the film. And then in other areas where we've not been present, local rescues have actually been present to help facilitate Q&As to Mm. keep the conversation going because beyond just watching the film, the conversation is so important. What can we do and how can we make a difference? And um, I really urge everyone who can watch the film, if it's in your territory, to do check out Free Puppies playing now in select cities across the US. You can go to freepuppies.us and it's got a lot of information there in regards to um, theatrical play dates um, where you can watch the film. You can also go to at We Free Puppies as well. Um, and there's a lot of information there in regards to, you know, um, where you can find rescue shelters and, and, and also uh, theatrical dates. And also of note that um, every ticket sold supports a rescue organisation. So I reckon that's really a really cool thing there from both you, yourself, Christina, and as well as um, yourself, Samantha. And um, congratulations to you both in regards to this documentary because it's a it's it's one of those kind of films where it's, um, it's illuminating, it's heartbreaking, um, but I think really... You know, you've mentioned, you've mentioned before kind of the divisive nature of what's happening in the US right now, and I think puppy power is what can really bring a lot of people together right now. Um, and I think it's a really important thing that you guys are doing, and um, um, good on both of you, and uh, congrats with the documentary again. It's been a pleasure to talk to you both. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us. This has been an honour.